This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Anonymous radio show here at Plains FM 96.9. My name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, my name is Patrick. I'm an alcoholic. A preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. There are no fees or dues for A membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. A is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold on you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is the helpless as the sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a very long road that usually ends up in one or three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think that sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body, coupled with the obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease after having the first drink. The phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, Because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. The program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. 
We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would our guest like to introduce themselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are? My name is Patrick. Um, I'm 29 years sober. Um, I'm in my 50s and originally from Ireland. And Patrick, what's your occupation? Uh, I'm self-employed and I would do contract work. And any family? Yes, I'm married to my wife uh, for the last uh, over 10 years. And where are you from? Originally from uh, the south of Ireland. So when did you start drinking and how did it progress? Um, Alcohol was very much a part of the culture I grew up in. Um, I was only talking to someone about it yesterday, you know, the three-piece suit uncles and the, the smell of booze and cigarettes and you know it was, it was very much part of a culture a social scene so when I started drinking I believe I was predisposed to the concept of drinking uh, and I thought it would be great to try it um, so the first time I got drunk was when I was uh, probably 13 um, and somebody had mis- mixed loads of whiskey in their parents house and unfortunately I drank the whole bottle and um, it was a very bad night. Um, I actually got arrested, um, set a school on fire by accident, which which I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I got beaten up. And so that was the first time I drank, yeah. Did you ever feel it was a problem? Did you ever try to stop? I tried to stop, yeah. At 16, I remember um, it was a real turning point in my life because, you know, there was always these terrible things would happen uh, when I would drink. Um, and at 16, I remember just kind of reaching a point that I just thought I can't do this anymore and I don't want to drink and I stopped for the longest time I think it was four weeks and um, I couldn't stay stopped that was the problem So Patrick you were quite young when you began drinking how did it progress? Um, That way I drank maintained Um, I would get a a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of Bacardi and I would just drink the whole bottle Um, I drank like I was on fire Uh, there was no normality Um, and drink was, as I said, very much part of my culture, very much part of um, how people drank. You know, when I was 15, I would drink eight pints and I, would, I, I could walk and talk. And I mean, hard drinking was part of my culture, you know. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, drinking was, was very much acceptable. Socially, alone, binge drinking, drinking daily? Um, I drank when I shouldn't, when it was inappropriate, when I needed to be somewhere. Um, so the style of drinking I had had nothing to do with socialising I had no interest in it. I just wanted to drink for, and uh, it was a very self-consuming relationship it was my best friend really What made you realise you needed help? Um, a funny strange set of events where I was in a treatment centre when I was 20 a halfway house that was pretty rough really you know. and I met this Belgian priest and he said you should do some voluntary work because I felt, I felt very sorry for myself at the time so he says, look, this is what you do. Go and do some voluntary work and help people less fortunate. And it was it was such a life-changing event to go and, and volunteer in a, a homeless facility. But the irony is I actually had hit rock bottom at the same time and I was actually living there myself as well. And it was uh, me in five years' time. It was me in 10 years' time. It was me in 30, 40 years. I could see where my life was going to go if... I didn't take some personal responsibility. And I'd already been in AA at that point. My, my auntie at 12 stepped me when I was 20. Mm. Um, so uh, I think working in that homeless community, 
um, really woke me up to the way my life was going and was going to go. Had you lost any jobs, relationships, family, friends? Yeah. Um, I had friends say to me when I was, um, you know, 16, you're, you're a grandfather, but like you just drink too much. I had people say to me, you know, I can see it on a bridge where I used to drink before I met my friends when I was 18. And they say, look, mate, you're an alcoholic. And I just laugh and go away, you know, I'm an alcoholic. And I would already be after four or five points. Um, I lost apprenticeships. Three apprenticeships I lost, um, crashed cars, um, you know, people tell you just, just, just don't, like, I was just a mess. And it, it, it was always when I drank. So when I drank, problems started. Any trouble with the law? Um, yes. <laughs> I was a good talker though, you know. Um, yeah, when I crashed the car, like, I mean, I just, you know, tried to talk my way out of it the best I could and. Yeah, um, I, I saw my first prison cell when I was 13. Um, I, I, I ran away from home for a week and I was living in a car and they caught me and I was shown this prison cell and said, look, if you don't cop on, this is where you're going to end up, you know. And a, a number of people told me I was going to end up in a lot, a lot of trouble. And I didn't because I came into A, thankfully. How did you feel? Could you describe any decline in your mental, emotional, spiritual well-being? Um, I think towards the end of my drinking, um, I worked in a vineyard. I thought this was a very clever idea, you know, free alcohol. And it was amazing. And I drank for, I think, I can't remember how long. I think it was two months, morning, noon and night. And when I left that place, um, and I'd, it was, I was paid to work there. And when I left there, I left with the equivalent of $20 in my pocket. So that last bit of money, I bought alcohol rather than food and, and accommodation. So I literally was sleeping rough. Um, and I remember just thinking... I was with this other guy and we were saying, should we mug someone? Should we, should we go begging? Should we? And I remember just thinking, like, what, what has happened to me? What? How, how is this? And even at that point, I remember just thinking, is it the alcohol? Is, is, is this, the, like, I mean, I was in such denial um, that it took that for me to be standing in Paris with no money in my pocket and, and just like at, at a rock another rock bottom going maybe it's the alcohol you know and I, I found myself just um, I couldn't read I used to love books I couldn't read I couldn't work I couldn't concentrate um, I would I, I often use this analogy I had a brain like a fried egg I just I was frizzled Thanks Petra How did you find your way to your first AA meeting what was it like? Um, as I said my, my auntie um, you know I was sitting in front of a fire in the summer with a big jumper on and she said to me, are you OK? I said, I'm just cold all the time, you know. I was just just shaking, basically, you know. Um, and she said, you know, do you drink and do you use drugs a lot? And I said, oh, you know, the usual known again, you know. <laughs> so she said, just come on, be honest with me, you know. And I think that was a real turning point, someone who actually knew me. And I said, yeah, look, I, I drink, you know, any, all my money goes on alcohol. I don't buy any clothes. I don't pay my rent. I've lost apprenticeships. And she said, look, would you do me a favour? She said, please, for me, go to this place. And I remember when I walked into my first meeting and I was really young, I was 20, you know, and it was all these old guys smoking and laughing and joking. And I looked up and I remember reading the tur- tradition and it was the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. I didn't know if I was an alcoholic. I, didn't, I just knew alcohol. Every time I touched it, it was like an explosion went off in my life. So, you know, I knew I was in the right place. Awesome. Have you managed to stay sober? Describe your process of recovery. Um, the initial time in my early recovery was quite isolating um, and quite 
painful because that's I was so used to being self-reliant and I think alcohol does a number on you like that you become you want to you know you, you hide and there's a lot of shame so for me sponsorship and, and becoming part of the human race and asking someone genuinely can you help me can you help me but there's, there's 12 steps there that are the formula and the key for self-discovery and for, for a release on a new life um, and I thought it was this big mystery but the 12 steps are there but you need guidance and it's about finding a sponsor who who can take it through the steps and help you facilitate your own journey and your own from the inside out because I experienced a lot of religion and spirituality from the outside in but nothing from the inside out so recovery is from the inside out What have you done to ensure your sobriety? Um done a lot of service over the years, a lot of uh, convention service, uh, speaking engagements. Um, I used to drive for a recovery house, you know, and people just say to me, well, what are you getting out of this? You know, I said, I'm, this is what I'm getting out of it. I'm doing service and, and um, I would chair meetings, set up meetings, clean up after meetings, drive people around, um, you know, sponsor people, and have sponsorship. I think there's a chain of giving and of taking and that, that passes through you and it leaves you I suppose your spirit light and clean. That's what I've done. And I haven't taken a drink on a daily, daily basis. Awesome. Thanks, Petra. How would you describe yourself and the life you have today? It's pretty sweet, you know. Um, I watch out for my expectations because I don't like to self-sabotage. Um, I don't need much. You know, I really don't. Like, um, I have an, a warm bed. Um I'm very realistic in, in the fact that, that that where I ended up could happen at any moment. It, it stays with you when you end up at a rock bottom where you're, you're sleeping in a tent and your feet are wet. You know, that kind of stays with you when you've no money and, and you're, you know, that. So my expectations and my, my, you know, what I would consider success for me is, is loving relationships. And obviously you have to meet your needs, but success is... Um, how you hold yourself and how you react um, and how you carry yourself with people. Um, and we all make mistakes, you know, but um, relationships, and I think is a big thing for me. I, 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 it was like a desert in my life, you know. There was not, there was not a lot of care or like, like alcohol just ran rampant through a lot of things like that. So that's, that, that would be it. Oh, great. What are your goals for the future? Well, today, um, the rest of today, I'm going to go for a walk. Uh, in the rain, you know, I, I I like walking in the rain, not just getting wet. I like walking in the rain and just enjoying being alive. Uh, probably um, spend time with my my wife, my good wife, and you know, uh, t- you know, just just enjoy being alive. You know, being sober. You know, that's the joy. But you don't have to do or have anything. It's a gift, and it keeps giving. You know, it's free. Awesome. AA is described as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean to you? Well, you know, when I grew up, we grew up in a Catholic family. My, my aunt was a nun for 39 years, and that was a big thing if you'd someone in a religious family in, in a Catholic Ireland, you know, and, and we used to get down on our knees and join the Angelus and say prayers and go to Mass. And I went to monasteries when I came into recovery, and I went to Buddhist centres, and, you know, I tried meditating this way and that way. And, and when I did the 12 steps, um, you find your spirituality and, and the, the principles of the program are very practical. I needed something practical I could use. You know, when people used to say to me, you know, read this book or listen to the song. It didn't mean anything to me. It, it doesn't do the trick. The 12 steps are the key to finding self-discovery and taking personal responsibility. For me, personal responsibility leads to 
um, a clean slate and your higher power naturally comes into your life. And for me, a higher power is not carrying uh, things unnecessarily and ex- uh, accepting um, a lot of things and having humility. So for me, spirituality is a very practical thing wrapped up in the principles of the program. Thanks, Patrick. What would you suggest to any listeners that think they may have a drinking problem? Well, I don't give advice because uh, a lot of people gave advice to me and it meant nothing. But what I would say is uh, if alcohol is costing you more than money, maybe you want to check it out, you know. If alcohol is costing you more, you know, than what you're putting on the counter. Um, and it's, it's if, you know, if you find yourself at that moment questioning, that moment will pass and you might never get that chance again. So take, take it with both hands. And what questions would you ask someone to help them decide whether they need help? Um, the person has to come from themselves. I, I'm, I'm not a big enabler. Um, if somebody wants help, they have to ask for it. That's my take on it. So, Patrick, if you compare your life back when you are at the worst of your drinking and to, to your life today, being sober and having a programme, what, what is the major difference? There was a quote I, I read, and it was um, from C.S. Lewis, from a book called Shadowlands, and I lived in the shadows, and today I don't. I live in the light. Awesome. Thanks, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. For our listeners, if you're related to anything you have heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from other AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz where you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in an AA meeting. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things things I cannot change, change, the courage to change the things things I can, can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.